Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome warriors. Tonight, our selection is from A Brave, Fearless Sort of Lass from the book Beneath the Banner by F.J. Cross. This is the story of Grace Darling, a real historical person who traversed raging frigid waves and certain death to save the lives of passengers on a capsized ship. She was a hero that heeded the call, knowing that she would not likely make it back alive, and she goes in anyway. This is a story that it's great. It's got a real life example of heroism and challenges us to examine our own lives as warriors. It asks the question, how do you need to live your life or who do you need to be in order to face death with confidence? Beneath the Banner is filled with several true tales of heroism that will encourage and challenge you to live your best life every day. And you can read this book at any time in the future. But now is the time to relax and examine this example of heroism and recharge for living another day well. So relax and enjoy. A brave, fearless sort of lass the story of Grace Darling. She was not much of a scholar. She could not spell as well as a girl in the third standard. She lived a quiet life, quite out of the way of the busy world. And yet, Grace Darling's name is now a household word. Let us see how that came about. William Darling Grace's father was a keeper of the Longstone Lighthouse on the Farne Islands off the west coast of Northumberland. Longstone is a desolate rock, swept by the northern gales, and woe betide the ship driven to its pitiless shores. To give you an idea here of what the setting is, picture this. It's a rocky shoreline the frigid northern waters of the UK. Waves constantly crash and throwing ships or anything else that's in the water around into rocks. In modern times, to navigate these kinds of waters, boat captains aren't even allowed to steer their own ships through places like this. Instead, the harbor master is flown out to the ship via helicopter to navigate the waters of the sound 
because they are the ones that constantly study the rocks below and the erratic shifting waves. The water is so cold that you can soon become immobilized within 10 minutes or so and your body initiates involuntary gasping and convulsions. This is the situation our hero is dealing with. Let's continue. Mr. Darling and his family had saved the lives of many persons who had been shipwrecked ere that memorable day of which I tell you. On the night of the 5th of September, 1838, the steamer Forfeshire, bound from Hull to Dundee, was caught in a terrific storm off the Farne Islands. Her machinery became damaged and all but useless, and the vessel drifted till the sound of the breakers told 63 persons composing the passengers and crew that their death was near at hand. The captain made every effort to run the ship in between the islands and the mainland, but in vain. And about three o'clock on the morning of the 6th of September, the vessel struck on the rock with a sickening crash. A boat was lowered into which nine of the passengers got safely Whilst others lost their lives in attempting to do so, these nine were saved during the day by a passing vessel. The Forfeshire, meantime, was the sport of the waves, which threatened every minute to smash her to pieces. Before long, indeed, one wave mightier than the rest lifted her bodily onto the sharp rocks and broke her in two. Her afterpart was swept away, and the captain, his wife, and those who were in that portion of the vessel were drowned. The forepart, meantime, remained fast on the rocks, lashed by the furious billows. So imagine seeing waves so large and furious that a large steamboat passenger ship was being tossed around like a toy. What kind of terror would befall these people, especially while it's being split in half? The passengers on board themselves were sure that they were about to die. This is at three o'clock in the morning, while our hero is still sleeping, and somehow the distant screams pierced through the sound of the wind and waves and caught her ear. That morning, Grace was awakened by the sound of voices in distress, and dressing quickly, she sought her father. They listened, and soon their worst fears were confirmed. Near at hand, but still quite beyond the reach of help, could be heard the desperate shrieks of the shipwreck crew. To attempt to rescue them seemed quite out of the question. That was apparent at once to William Darling, skillful boatman though he was, and brave as a lion. The sea was so terrific that it had ten chances to one against the boat being able to keep afloat. But Grace entreated, Father, we must not let them perish. I will go with you in the boat, and God will give us success. 
In vain, Mrs. Darling urged that the attempt was too perilous to be justified, and reproached Grace for endeavoring to persuade her father to run such unwarrantable risks. William Darling saw plainly how many were the chances against success. Even if the boat was not at once swamped, two persons alone and one of them only a girl were insufficient for the work, for supposing they reached the wreck, they would probably be too exhausted to get back. No duty did not demand such an act, and for a time he declined to put out. So let's examine this. You face challenges on the warrior path. You live your life well and seek improvement. You want to be the best that you can be, and that's brave and a noble way to live your life. In this situation though, the head of the lighthouse himself is examining the situation and sees that death is certain. He knows that those people are out there suffering and will die shortly and doesn't believe that he's going to be able to do anything at all. And he's the expert here. He knows the whole terrain better than anyone else. We all like to imagine ourselves as courageous and brave, but situations where all logic would point to the certainty of death really does call into question what your courage is made of. But put yourself in this kind of situation. If you were driving by and saw someone trapped in a burning building, would you stop and rush through to drag them out? If you saw someone being attacked on the street, would you jump in to protect the other person? What if you saw someone drowning in the river? Would you jump in to help them? So many people would say yes, I would. And it's perfectly fine to be honest with yourself and search your heart in this scenario. The situation itself and the context around it has a lot to do with it. Maybe you don't know how to swim. Perhaps instinct just kicks in and you find yourself doing something you didn't even know you were capable of. Or what if you believe yourself a person that would jump in to save someone else? But when you find yourself in that situation, being paralyzed with fear and concern. Sometimes your resolve to take the massive risk is different depending on the situation. So many people are more likely to just pull out their phones and stare and watch instead of jumping in. Situations like this aren't like video games. There's no respawning. There's no second chances. It's not a Hollywood movie where the good guy points his rifle out and takes out a bunch of bad guys and chases to the next scene and takes out another bunch of bad guys. We're talking about real life situations here. It's quite the situation to be in, to risk your life for people that you don't even know. It's worth searching your heart to understand when life throws terror at you 
in those moments, those are the opportunities to take action. Let's continue. But Grace was quite firm. This girl of three and twenty, never very robust, had marvelous strength of will. And her mind, being set on attempting the rescue, she prevailed over both her father's judgment and her mother's entreaties. And into that awful sea, the boat was at length launched. So here we see Grace is a frail 23-year-old girl, probably no more than five and a half feet, weighing around 95 pounds. Grace is proposing to jump into a rowboat in the middle of towering waves, so furious that they split a steam engine in half. She's not going to show anyone up in the weight room, and she doesn't even consider her physical strength in the situation, just her responsibility. So what is it about this girl that she has such resolve to jump into a certain death scenario and save these people? When you ask yourself this, maybe it's your God. Maybe it was her God. Maybe it's your civic duty or just pure instinct. Whatever it is, it's what propels heroes forward and saves lives. Though every billow threatened to engulf the frail craft, yet it nevertheless rode through the mountainous waves and drew near the rock where the helpless men and women were standing face to face with death. When it was sufficiently close to the shore, William Darling sprang out to help the weary perishing creatures, whilst Grace was left to manage the boat unaided. It was now that her courage was put to the severest test. At this critical moment, the lives of her father and the survivors depended on her judgment and skill. Well did her past experience and cool nerve then serve her. Alone and unaided, she kept the boat in a favorable position in the teeth of that pitiless gale. And as soon as her father signaled to her, she waved for an opportune moment, rode in. Year long, in spite of the fury of wind and wave, they had got all aboard and rode back in safety to the lighthouse. The passengers who were rescued told the story of Grace's courage, and soon the tale was in every newspaper. George Darling, Grace's brother, speaking of this deed 50 years after, says, She always considered, as indeed we all did, that far too much was made of what she did. She only did what was her duty in the circumstances. Brought up among boats, so to speak, and used to the sea as she was. Still, she was always a brave, fearless sort of lass. And very religious too. There's no doubting that. But it was never her wish that the people should make so much of what she did. So here we see something really common. One of the most common responses that heroes give after their sensational action is this. I would have done what anyone else would have done. It's what needed to happen. 
That level of radical responsibility is what courage is made of. Where others stand by and watch, the warrior takes action. It's simple. A great deal was made of the deed, certainly, but surely not too much. A subscription was set on foot and 700 pounds presented to her besides innumerable presents. So what this is saying is that people went door to door crowdfunding on a campaign to raise money for our hero to thank her and she was flooded with presents. In spite of all this, she still maintained her attitude of, I don't see why this is such a big deal. I was just doing my job. I was doing what anyone would do in this situation. Four years later, Grace died, much lamented by all who knew her. Doubtless, many a time, before and since, Faith is strong, and bravery as heroic have been shown, and have passed unrecorded and unnoticed by men. But duty performed in simple faith, and without expectation of reward, brings inward peace and joy, greater than any outward recognition can give. So warriors, on your path, you make decisions every day that show your courage. You do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it for inner peace. There's a difference between taking action because it's what needs to happen, because it's what you want to see in the world, versus taking action for the glamour and glory of it all. But the main thing to ask is this. You're on the warrior path. You take self-improvement seriously. You challenge yourself every day. But who do you have to become to take this kind of action? Imagine yourself having lived such a life that you could make a decision like this and be at peace about it. Every day counts, and by living in the moment and being your best you on the warrior path, you live such a life that when facing death, it's not something to hide from. Instead, you can say it is what it is. You know that you could die happy because you've walked the warrior path and made the choices that you needed to for you to be fulfilled. What would you need to be? Who would you need to be? To say to death, I've lived a full life I've packed so much good into my life and done so much that if my life ends and my time is now, it is what it is. When mortality is made your friend, your life is made that much more well-lived. Continue the path, warriors.